End Time Ministries and the End of the Age radio and television program has received thousands of great questions throughout the years, along with those offering different perspectives and prophetic scenarios, all seeking to understand the end time events. Well, we will answer many of those questions and discuss some of those different perspectives on this edition of End of the Age. You're listening to an end of the age replay. You know, the in in looking at world events and what's going on right now, without a clear understanding of the prophecies of the Bible, it's almost impossible to determine how these things will play out, how it's going to affect our lives, the lives of our sphere of influence around us. What's going to play out in the very near future? So you can get the nightly news and get one narrative, one perspective. You can get a perspective from the conservative individuals in the news arena. And then you can look at the news through the eyes of Bible prophecy. Three totally different perspectives. And so what we like to do, because I get so many questions, periodically I like to just go through a lot of Q&A and answer a lot of them Because people are wanting to understand, if you don't understand the prophecies of the Bible, you just simply don't get some things going on in the world. Why is this world government being created? Why are they trying to pull everybody into a world religious system? Why are they trying to number every human being on the planet and just push that down everybody's throat, right? Why are all these things being created? It's by grand design. But if you do not understand the prophecies of the Bible, you'll be caught up in this and just think, well, I have to conform. I just need to say yes to everything. But with a clear understanding of the prophecies, it will help you be able to, to mentally combat some of these things, take the fear factor out of it and say, you know what? I simply cannot conform to those edicts. I'm sorry. And so I got so many great questions over the last several months. I wanted to answer several of them. And then also, like I said earlier, so many different perspectives on some of these things that I wanted to maybe kind of clear up some misconceptions. So what I'm going to do over the next couple sessions here is to answer as many questions as I can to help clear some of the cobwebs out of our minds, right? <laughs> So, the first question is, the writer says, Dave, you've said that the Great Tribulation was the time of Satan's wrath and that God's wrath does not come until the end of the, uh, the, to the end of Revelation or during the Battle of Armageddon. They said, I'm wondering how then you would explain the meaning of the end of Revelation chapter 6 towards the beginning of the book of Revelation where it says that the wrath of the Lamb and the one who sits on the throne has come. 
And who can stand? They said, isn't this where the wrath of God upon the world begins? Now, great question. However, you must understand the four accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because if you look at them as in chronological order, the book of Revelation, yeah, you'll have the wrath of God happening over there towards the beginning of the book of Revelation. But what about all the other times the wrath of God is mentioned? How do we explain that? Well, the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation, the seals, trumpets, the simultaneous harvest, the vials, they all begin at different times. These are but they end at the same time, okay? They begin at different points in history. They end at the same time. They all end at the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon, which is where the wrath of God is poured out. So consider this. The sixth seal, Revelation six seventeen says, For the great day of His wrath is come, And who shall be able to stand? But then the seventh trumpet, Revelation 11, 18 says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. Now, here's a question right off the bat. Does the wrath of God in the future happen twice? Because there's two different times where it says thy wrath has come. At the sixth seal and at the seventh trumpet. No, we only know from many scriptures that the wrath of God happens in the future once, or the, at the at time of the Battle of Armageddon. But what about the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet? Because these are different accounts given. John told four accounts of the exact same event. The sixth and seventh seal, the seventh trumpet. Then also the simultaneous harvest in Revelation 14, 19. The Bible says, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the, way, the great winepress of the wrath of God. There's the third time that it talks about the wrath of God. In, these, in this skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. And then the seventh, all the way over in the seventh vial. Revelation 16.1. The Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And so you have the sixth seal, seventh trumpet, the simultaneous harvest, put them, put them into the great winepress of the wrath of God, and then you have the vials of the wrath of God in Revelation 16, and finally the wrath of God in the second coming of Jesus Christ in the seventh vial. So the wrath of God happens one time in the future, but... It is mentioned several times throughout all of the Bible, and especially in the book of Revelation. And that is why it helps to understand the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you study it from that perspective, you're going to get very confused very quickly. You need to understand the segmentation of the book of Revelation. John, in Revelation 1.19, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. And then once you understand the skeletal structure, then you can say, well, okay, yeah, I understand why in Revelation 6, the wrath of, thy wrath has come. In Revelation 11, thy wrath has come. In Revelation 14, 
They're cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And in Revelation 16, the vials of the wrath of God are finally poured out. Four different accounts of the exact same event. Next question. I'm going to try to move through these quickly so we can get as many done as possible. And, well, I'll tell you what. We're coming up on a break, so I'll get to this question right after. But I hope this helps you. These questions will help you look at your news differently. And, or whatever you read, whatever content, go to the internet, wherever you get your news sources, it will help you understand these things. The timing of the events in the near future, and I've got some current events coming up that the Bible will help us weed through these things. Right now, there are tens of thousands of Jewish immigrants stranded in Ukraine as Russia invades city after city with no regard for human life. 3,000 Jews are ready to return to Israel today. The need for evacuation, shelter, flights, and emergency housing. Nearly $10 million. The Jews in Ukraine need your help. If half of you gave just $250 toward this need, it would be met in full today. Please consider giving to help Jews safely escape Ukraine. To give or learn more, go to endtime.com slash Ukraine or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com slash Ukraine or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and end of the age plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. So, here we go. We're right back to the questions. The next question is, please explain with Scripture, to back it up, why you believe in a post-tribulation rapture. Now, it seems like every time I get one of these Q&As like this, uh, people want to question us about the post-tribulation rapture, um, our belief system. And so, I'll give one Scripture and then we'll move on because... I could spend the rest of the day on just this. But in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, Jesus is at the Olivet Discourse. He's talking. They ask, the disciples ask him, Lord, tell us, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The time just ahead of us now when the Lord will come back to plant his feet upon the Mount of Olives, tear down human government, and establish his government here on the earth. So he's telling us, he's talking to us here in Matthew 24, and he says, 
immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. He did not say the sign of the Son of Man coming in heaven would appear before the tribulation. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. It says that the Lord would come back immediately after the tribulation, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, just like Revelation 1-7. Every eye will behold Him. It's the same thing. In the clouds of heaven and power and great glory, He shall send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet. This is the last trumpet. And they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. This is the rapture. When did Jesus say it would happen? At the end of the age? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So if if Jesus would have said immediately prior to the tribulation of those days, we'd be having a whole other conversation, right? And so I want to know the truth. I want to teach the truth. And so with scriptures like this, I can't say, man, I, you know, maybe it's still a pre-trib, but I just missed something. No, he said immediately after the tribulation of those days, I will send my angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather the elect. The elect is the church. So that's why we teach a post-tribulation rapture. Again, I could give you, we could spend the rest of the day on all the scriptures that prove a post-tribulation rapture, but I just wanted to give you one so I could get to a lot more questions. Next question. Um, I know that you guys teach post-trib. Okay, so I got another one. I think you taught that we would be raptured right at the Battle of Armageddon. But are we not supposed to be riding with Christ when He returns? Please explain the timing of all of this. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go? Let's go to um, Revelation 16, 12. We'll start there. The Bible says, And the sixth angel uh, poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now, th- this is the, um, the sixth vial of the wrath of God. You understand the seven vials, part of the skeletal structure. I'm starting with Revelation 16, 12, the sixth vial. So you understand, the Battle of Armageddon is being engaged. The armies of the world governing body are coming down against Israel to battle. The great river Euphrates is being dried up. The Bible says, uh, Revelation 16, 12, the, um, and the water thereof of a, the great river Euphrates was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared to come down against Israel to battle. So, I mean, the battle of Armageddon is being engaged at this point. But after the sixth vial in Revelation 16.12, Revelation 16.15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Then you go to... So it's, it, the second coming is happening right there. The Lord only comes as a thief one time in the future. It happens right there as the armies of God or the armies of the world governing body are coming down against Israel to battle. They've crossed the Euphrates River and they're headed to the plain of Megiddo. That's where the battle of Armageddon will be engaged. Revelation 16 goes on to tell us that he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. I mean, it's it's all happening right there when the rapture and the second coming occurs. Then Revelation 19 says let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. So you can read Revelation 16, 
right over into Revelation 19, starting with about verse 6, and move on. And it said, and then get to 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. His wife, the church, the bride, hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The bride is talking about the saints here. And the rapture has occurred. Remember, behold, I come as a thief in Revelation 16, 15. Then in Revelation 19, 9, it says, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage of the supper, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And then verse 11 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a great white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So this is the second coming. And the armies which were in heaven followed, uh, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. This is the saints. It's telling us this. So what happens at the time of the rapture in the Battle of Armageddon? The Battle of Armageddon is engaged. The armies come down across the Euphrates. They're headed towards the plain of Megiddo. At that point, Revelation 16, 15, the rapture happens. The Battle of Armageddon takes place. They're right up at their, it culminates at the Kidron Valley, right there between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. That, the rapture, we're having the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, and we go straight to fight on behalf of Israel with the Lord. This is Revelation 19. On behalf of Israel were the armies of heaven that come with him. And the Bible says in uh, where? In the book of Jude, that he comes back with ten thousands of his saints. We're the armies of heaven, and we will come back to him. That's when he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. And that's why we, we will fight on behalf of Israel against the world governing armies. And the Bible says that's when the God of heaven at the seventh trump will remove human governance. The Bible says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And that's when all of this takes place. It's one simultaneous event. He gathers us, the church, the dead in Christ. Then we who are alive and remain will be gathered from around the world, from the four winds, gathered to the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, and we will go straight with him to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. It's one simultaneous event. So the rapture and the second coming, they're the same event, and it happens at the, at the same time of the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, next question. Uh, it says, is China mentioned in the end time? Uh, are they specifically mentioned during World War III, as well as the Battle of Gog and Magog? Also, do you guys feel that America will be destroyed by Russia or someone during World War III? So... China is not mentioned in the prophecies of the Bible unless it is the 200 million man army in Revelation 9:16 in the world in World War 3. The dragon in Bible prophecy is not China. Revelation 12:9 states and the great dragon was cast out the that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So I do not believe that America will be destroyed during World War III because that would, be, that would contradict other prophecies which let us know that the United States will stand with and protect Israel throughout the end time. That's uh, Revelation 12, 14. 
Israel or the woman with 12 stars around her head in Revelation 12 is carried away. This is Revelation 12, 14. The woman is carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she is nourished in her place for time, times, and half a times. The final three and one half years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I absolutely do not believe the Bible tells us anywhere that America would be destroyed. We have to be here to protect the eagle. Plus, End Time Ministries, the End of the Age program, will be here to help facilitate the great revival in Israel. We've got the Jerusalem Prophecy College, a lot of different things going on that God miraculously established that He's not going to just say, well, I established that for all these years. Let's just throw that in the trash can and do something else in the end time. That's not going to happen. The Bible says that during the time of the Antichrist, this is uh, Daniel 11, 32 and 33. During the time of the Antichrist, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They that understand among the people shall instruct many. Somebody will have an understanding of these prophecies that will be able to instruct others to help them get through, navigate these troubled waters that are just ahead. And so we believe that we will be part of that group that has an understanding of these prophecies and can are, and are watching and making sure that God is speaking to us. We're watching the news. We're watching the events play out. And we will be able to instruct each other, uh, to instruct others all the way to the end. So uh, next question. In Revelation chapter 9, at the end of the sixth trumpet war, in verse 20, it talks about the rest of mankind who was not killed by, and, and, uh, by these plagues. They did not repent. And can you expound on that? Well, I mean, why is the body of Christ not referred to at all here? Well, you understand that originally the Bible did not have chapters and verses. You would just read the whole thing all the way through, right? So you got to be careful when you stop at the end of one chapter and don't continue on into the next. When we are trying to figure out a prophecy, anybody who's trying to figure out any topic in the Bible, number one, you've got to look at every topic pertaining to that scripture. Every scripture pertaining to that topic, I should say. Uh, Every single one. Because you might think you've got it all figured out over here in Revelation, but then when you go back to Zechariah or Ezekiel or Daniel or one of the, any one of the Old Testament prophets that prophesied about the book of Joel, many of them, it adds more clues. And then you think, oh man, I thought I had it all figured out, but look at all these clues over here. So it helps you to understand. You've got to look at all the verses pertaining to that topic. Well, also, it really helps you when you're trying to figure out a topic in the Bible Read, number one, the entire book that it's in. Read, the, ver- read the, the chapters, two or three chapters before that chapter, and then two or three chapters after. Make sure you get the context of what the writer is trying to say. Because if you hang your hat on one verse, and you create an entire religion around one verse of Scripture you're going to be hugely, horribly disappointed. You need to make sure you understand the entire Bible. What's the thesis of the Bible? What are all the writers trying to say? How does this fit into the grand scheme of things? Because it's God's Word. God was the author. 
He just had several secretaries write it for him. So he's not going to tell us something in the book of Daniel and then get over into the book of Revelation and it contradicts that. That's not how it works. Because one author wrote the whole thing. So, with that said, when you go to Revelation 9, you're talking about the Sixth Trumpet War. And you say, well, the church is not mentioned. Well, yes, this, the, the passage here is referring to the sinners. After the Sixth Trumpet War, the, the sinners that were on the earth, not the church, they did, the Bible says they would not repent of their sins. But if you continue reading into Revelation 11, Revelation 10 is a parenthetical chapter, an explanatory chapter. Read over into 11 where the structural element of the, of the trumpets continues on, the sixth trumpet over into the seventh. You continue reading into Revelation 11, it goes on to describe the ministry of, the, of God's two witnesses and the rapture of the church at the seventh trumpet. Because the Bible says at the, at the end of the ministry of the two witnesses, they were both killed, they lay in the streets for three and a half days. Then the Bible says they were called up into heaven. When they're called up, the Bible says at, in that same hour, the seventh trump will sound and that that's when the Lord will come back to give the reward to his reward to the prophets and to the saints. That's when the rapture occurs. So if you read from 10 all the way over into 11, it will help explain maybe why the church is not mentioned in uh, 9 at the, at the end of the Sixth Trumpet War. But over into 11, it describes them um, very clearly. Okay, next question. Uh, with uh, Vladimir Zelensky, rising, uh, he's a rising star on the world stage. Could he be the Antichrist? Antichrist, could he be the little horn that rises up? Well, okay, so that's a great question because, um, but from a prophecy perspective, let, let's, all, let's just stick right here. Although we currently do not claim to know who the Antichrist is, I don't know. I follow this stuff daily, and I do not know. I believe the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, he certainly could be a candidate for the Antichrist in the future. He's from Europe. I mean, the Antichrist will be the most powerful politician in Europe. At present, that is not Zelensky. Okay? Now, things can change, and I know that. But the Antichrist will be in instrumental in signing a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Presently, that isn't even on Zelensky's radar. But things could change in the near future. So only time will tell. Now, I might say to you, everyone, that you, with the understanding of Bible prophecy, you can see how it will really open your mind to the things coming in the Whether near future. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. We're continuing to answer many of the questions that you guys have written in, in ladies, <laughs> over the years with different perspectives. Hey, you guys said this, but what about this? What about that? What about this prophecy? I've always been taught this. So it's good to walk down many of these questions and to answer them because we want to help instruct you on different things you should be doing and things you should not be participating in in the end time. So let's get as many of these questions done as we can. The writer says, when they say, the Bible says, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. Were you guys, end time ministries, saying that it's right before the second coming and then sudden destruction would come? Well, let's go to the scriptures. The rapture and the second coming and the day of the Lord all happen as a thief in the night, right? Immediately after the great tribulation. Let me prove that. Joel chapter 2 verse 31. The Bible says, In that day the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. The day of the Lord. Look at what's going to happen. Well, when does this happen? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So we know that the day of the Lord happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. Then at the first of the four accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ in Revelation... Uh, I, I, I think I talked about it on uh, earlier, Revelation 6:12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Same thing. And then at the battle of Armageddon, Zechariah, Zechariah um, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all referring to the time of the battle of Armageddon. When you get to Zechariah 14.1, the Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Now, we're right here at the Battle of Armageddon. At the end of the Great Tribulation, 
and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. So, we know that the day of the Lord is happening right here after the great tribulation. Also, as a thief in the night. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the, the earth also, and the works there are, that therein shall be burned up. So finally, we get to the verse that you're asking about. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-3. The Apostle Paul said, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, which, which comes when? I proved it earlier, it comes after the Great Tribulation. That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. When does Revelation 16 say it occurs? At the time of the battle of Armageddon, the Lord be, uh, behold, I come as a thief. That's Revelation 16, 15. The Bible says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So, again, at the battle of Armageddon, it all happens right here at the very end. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. He only comes as a thief one time, remember? Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So it all happens right there immediately after the tribulation at the battle of Armageddon, which is when the rapture and the second coming occur. Again, I could spend the rest of my program and many other programs proving that scripturally. Okay, next question. Will America be part of the digital ID and partake in the mark of the beast? So 650 years before John wrote the book of Revelation, the prophet Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that symbolized kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Christ. The four beasts described in Daniel 7, 4 through 7, are the modern and, and the modern nations that they symbolize are a lion with eagle's wings, the modern day nations of Great Britain and the United States, a bear, Russia, a four headed leopard, Germany, and a ten horned beast, the reborn Holy Roman Empire, or the current European Union. When you go over to Revelation, 650 years later, John uses these same symbols as nations to describe the end time world government. In John's account, the four separate nations of Daniel 7 have federalized into one large global governing body. And the Bible says um, in Revelation 13, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, saw a beast rise up out of the sea, a singular beast, not four beasts, but one big beast, combo beast, having seven heads and ten horns. Upon his horns, symbolic of the European Union, ten crowns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, Germany. Feet as the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, Revelation 12, 9, who's the dragon? Satan. Revelation 20, verse 1 and 2. Satan gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. Revelation thir- that's the Revelation 13, uh, 1 through, I believe that's 1 through 3. So this is the, a 2,000-year-old prophecy of the world government that is currently being established. 
the United States is missing. Remember, the eagle's wings, symbolic of the United States in Daniel 7, are not mentioned in that combo beast of Revelation 13, which indicates that the United States will not be included in the world government of the end time. The prophecy also indicates that world dominance will have shifted from the United States to the powers of Europe, which we can kind of see happening right now. And it will really start to occur in just the very near future when the United States comes off that pedestal as that world governing leader. Joe Biden recently said, well, hey, we're the, there's going to be a new world out there and we've got to, a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. And so he's always been a defender of world government. But it appears the United States will not be fully engaged in that in the end time. So these prophecies have always left us with a few questions. I mean, about the United States. Uh, Since we're presently the leader of the world government and have been since 1945, how would that shift of power occur? Will the United States be wiped out in the Sixth Trump or World War III? Or will we be brought to our knees and become a non-factor on the world stage? Or will we perhaps go into some sort of isolation? Well, there is a scripture that helps us with these answers. Revelation 12, again, is the only place the eagle's wings are mentioned in the prophecies of the end time. In Revelation 12, it says the dragon will persecute a woman with 12 stars around her head. The woman is Israel. And the 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. According to Revelation 13, the dragon, Satan, will use the Antichrist. The Bible says he was given uh, power to war against the saints. And his world-governing system will do the persecuting. But John tells us in the next verse, in Revelation uh, 12, 14, that Israel will be protected during the Great Tribulation, which will occur during that final three and one half years, immediately preceding the second coming. Revelation 12, 14 says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. So again, a clear understanding of Revelation 12 and 13 allows us to be absolutely sure of two things. The United States will stand with Israel Protect Israel from the world government in the end time. The United States will not be part of of the world government and therefore will not come under the reign of the Antichrist. And in our opinion, because we will not come under the full reign of the Antichrist, the mark of the beast will not become the law of the land in the United States. Next question. If you have learned this, Uh, about the different things about Jesus and Yeshua and the different names that are used uh, in, in, in relationship to the Aramaic and the Greek and all the different names that were used from Jesus and, and different things. Do you use the name of Jesus or Yeshua during your prayer services or and different church services? And what is correct to use? Well, we've got this question quite often. Because, you know, the question, do you use Yeshua or Jesus when you pray and different things? Well, here's the deal. Yeshua and Jesus are the exact same word. Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation and Jesus is the English pronunciation. 
For example, if a person's name is Yossi in Hebrew, it would be pronounced Joseph in English. We had a guide for many years in Israel. 25 plus years he was our guide when we took tours over there. His name was Yehuda. Well, if your name is Yehuda in Hebrew, it would be pronounced Judah in English. Why? Well, this happens because the Hebrew language has no J and no B. A J becomes a Y when moving from English to Hebrew. A V becomes a W when moving from English to Hebrew. So, when moving from Hebrew to English, the reverse is true. And that's why Jehovah in English is Yahweh in Hebrew, but it's the same word. And that's why Jesus is pronounced Yeshua in Hebrew, but it's the same word. So, if you're Hebrew and wanting to speak in Hebrew, then you would say, when referring to Jesus, Yeshua. But if you're, it's the same word as if in English, if I want to pray for somebody and I say, in Jesus' name, it's the same thing. So it depends on which language you're wanting to speak. Me, as an English-speaking American, I'm going to say Jesus. If I was speaking Hebrew in Israel, they will say Yeshua. But it's the same thing. So you don't have to get all twisted up in that because just say Yeshua or Jesus. If you're English, say Jesus. Hebrew, say Yeshua. Same thing. Next question. Do you guys believe the bride and the church are two different groups? This person said, I do. <laughs> and, um, you know, our chapter 7, 8, and 9, the book of Revelation order, things like that. Well, so the... The answer that I'm giving you, no. The bride of Christ and the church are one and the same. Same thing. In his writings to the church in Rome, the Apostle Paul states in Romans 7, 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. When you're born again, you are now a member of the bride of Christ or the church. So ho hopefully these questions are helping you in some of your um, the dilemmas and understanding this stuff. And there are so many questions we can answer. We'll never get to them all. But I'll try to get to as many as I can on the other side of the break. Thank you for joining me today. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. So the bride and the church, the true church of Jesus Christ in the Bible, the exact same thing. When you're born again, you're now part of the bride of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the church. In Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven two states, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We're talking about the church and the bridegroom here. The bridegroom, Jesus Christ, the church being the bride. Uh, Revelation 19, 6-9. It says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, as the voice of the thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And His wife, the church, or the saints, hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It's telling you right here, the bride is the saints or the church. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And now, folks, there are many other scriptures that I could use to prove the church is the bride. But it's not two separate entities. There are not rapture saints and tribulation saints. There, are, there is one bride of Christ. If you're born again, you have become part of the bride of Christ. And oh, what a day that will be when we are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. I cannot wait. If I didn't have lost loved ones, I wish it would happen today. But I have people in my sphere of influence, people that we're trying to reach around the world, that, are not, that have not yet come to the Lord. And I want to make sure that they have an opportunity to do that. So I'm kind of torn. Do I want it to happen today or do I want to wait and give them an opportunity to be saved? I really want to wait. Even though I want him to come so bad, I still know that there are a lot of people that need an opportunity to be saved. And we want to make sure that we give them that. So the Lord is holding off to give people time to come to him. And he will come in the time um, when he's ready, in his timing. Now, next question. Revelation 9, 17, it mentions the breastplates of the fighters or the riders were red, blue, and yellow. Of course, Russia, main, their main color, red. Ukraine's color, blue and yellow. So, just wondering, could it possibly be this war turns into the sixth trumpet war? Well, because of the clues given in Revelation 9 about the war originating in the Euphrates River uh, region, the, um, a third of the world's population would be destroyed, 200 million man army will participate at this time. I do not believe the Russia-Ukraine is the third world war. You could kill everybody in Russia, everybody in Ukraine, 
and it would not, it would not even come close. It's like .024 of the world's population, depending on which website you're looking up, but that's close. The Bible says at World War III, one-third of the world's population would be destroyed. Now, could Russia, Ukraine spin into a, the, the China-Taiwan situation and into the Iran-United States-Israel situation with the nuclear? Yeah, absolutely. Now, if that were to happen, we'd have a whole other different conversation today. But currently, Revelation 9.17, what does that mean? <clears throat> Revelation 9.17 in the King James Version says this. Thus I saw the the horses in the vision, and them that sat upon them, having breastplates of fire, jacinth, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. If you read in 917 in the New King James Version, it says, And thus I saw the horses in the vision, those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. So here's one thing you need to remember, because if you start getting, try to do it like, some of this is symbolism, and some of it is um, literal. You have to remember that many times in the book of Revelation, John... In other words, the, uh, the beast in Revelation 13, they're symbolic of nations. Well, you've got to understand that. You'd never be able to figure out the coming world government. But some of this is literal, but John's doing the best he can, descri- can do to, de- to describe something. Many times in the book of Revelation, John is having to describe modern-day warfare and weapons of war from his perspective 2,000 years ago. He had never seen a nuclear missile. He had never seen a missile launcher, a tank, a helicopter, a plane. He had never seen a, 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 an AR-15, uh, an AK-47, a 50-millimeter. A, a, a uh, he's never seen any of that. So it appears that this is what John is referring to in Revelation 9.17. Not necessarily the colors of a nation's flag, but he was, he was describing modern-day implements of war. And so um, that's why, I, in my opinion, I do not think that the Russia-Ukraine is World War III. Now, again, if, it were to pull, if, it, if somehow the China-Taiwan-Iran nuclear situation would all tie in together, because you understand about the Russia-China-Iran alliance, then... We would be talking about World War III. At this point, the Russia-Ukraine thing is a horrible thing. There are people being killed. I do not think it's World War III. Russia was involved in the Syrian conflict a few years ago. Right across the, right across from, they were straddling the Euphrates River, Russia and the United States. And a lot of people said, well, this is World War III right here. But it didn't end up in World War III, did it? You had the two nuclear powers on earth that control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal, but it did not develop into World War III. So until it has all the clues of the biblical six-trumpet war, World War III, then I cannot say that I believe it is World War III at this point. It is a, it's, a, it's another war. Jesus said you'll see of wars and rumors of wars. Obviously, this Russia-Ukraine thing is one of them but I do not believe it's the sixth 
Trumpet War. Next question. In light of the Russian war, could the deadly wound that is healed be referring to the bear's head or the modern-day nation of Russia in Revelation 13? The writer says, I don't... Uh, I know we don't take current events and try to make them fit the Bible, but we see. I, but the individual says, "I see Revelation thirteen three saying one of his heads, with no specificity." Well, it seems Russia is off to a terrible show of military prowess, so it might play into a scenario where they get beat down and come back. Then people might wonder after it. Okay, so the Bible says in Revelation thirteen that with this seven-headed, ten-horned beast that had the body of the leopard, the feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion, the ten horns of the ten-horned kingdom, symbolizing the world-governing body. The Bible says one of those nations, one of those heads symbolizing nations, would be wounded unto death, and when the deadly wound was healed, all the world would wander after the beast. So this person is speculating that could it be the bear, okay, which would be Russia. So the third leopard head makes, the the person says, the third head leopard makes sense up to a point in history, but could there be a scenario in the next few years that changes this thinking? In other words, that's what we teach, the third head, Hitler's Hitler's famous Third Reich. That was wounded nine to death. Okay, so again, let let me quote Revelation 13, 1 through 3 to make sure... You get the prophecy, and then we'll take off down to the answer. I stood upon the sands of the sea, saw a beast rise up out of a sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Upon his horns the ten crowns and had the names of blasphemy. The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, feet of the bear, mouth of the lion, ten horns of the ten-horned kingdom. And the dragon gave it its seat, power, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, one of the nations, as it were wounded to death. The deadly wound was healed and all the world would wonder after this world governing body once the deadly wound was healed. The beast symbolized nations. So a nation would be wounded nigh unto death. That wound would be healed and the world, the world would wonder after this world governing beast from then on. What happened? Let's look back through history. After World War II, the Allies, Russia, Great Britain, United States, uh, they all determined... Something had to be wrong with Germany. This is right after World War II. They were concerned with Germany's history of repeatedly plunging the world into war. So to ensure that would never happen again, they split Germany in half. They created East Germany, placing it under the communist and the Soviet Union sphere of influence, and West Germany, placing it under the allied sphere of influence. By doing this, They created two separate German nations, reducing Germany's population and financial muscle to the point that it was no longer a threat to world peace. At the time, news headlines screamed, Germany is dead. She will never rise again. Well, when the the communist reality set in to East Germany and, and, and into East Europe, the Eastern European people wanted to get out from under the communist tyranny. And so there was a huge hemorrhage of people out of that. Well, many people were fleeing to to West Germany and and into Western Europe. On August 14, 1961, the Soviet Union built the Berlin Wall, a a, a 29-mile wound, I will say, a 29-mile wall that divided East Berlin from West Berlin. 
and they also established the Iron Curtain and, and placed lookout points throughout Europe, separating Eastern Europe from Western Europe. Well, many articles in major news publications called it the 29-mile wound, or the 29-mile wound that just would not heal. Because of the prophecies of the Bible, Irvin Baxter published his first book, A Message for the President, in 1989, stating the Berlin Wall would someday come down and the two Germanys would reunite, and that would be the catalyst that would launch us into a world-governing body. Well, thankfully, three years later, after he published the book, November 9th, 1989, the Berlin Wall came down. It was an incredible day. People danced on top of the wall, broke pieces of the wall to keep for memory's sake, and people were freed from the slavery of the communist Europe, Eastern Europe. They come pouring across the border, and people from Western Germany met them, gave each other coming across uh, from the east side $600 spending money, and people partied and celebrated. In the November 20, 1989 edition of Time Magazine, an article entitled Wall of Shame, 1961-89, to it stated that the Berlin Wall was the most palpable evidence of a deep wound in Europe civilization, and it is finally gone. Now, folks, 2,000 years ago, the Bible said one of the nations would be wounded nigh unto death, the wound would be healed, and the world would follow after this beast. That was, in fact, the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. That was the healing of the deadly wound. And now we have the new world order. So there you have it. The fulfillment of Bible prophecy right before our very eyes. Wonderful questions. I have so many more questions to get to, but there's just not enough time. We'll be doing many more programs like this, helping you understand the prophecies of the Bible so that way you can know how to navigate the waters that are just ahead. God bless you so much as you prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.